Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Chris. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. Uh, If you're watching online, again, welcome. Uh, Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, Missed everybody last week. I was out of town and went to see my daughter uh, and her husband and our family. Uh, We went uh, to Nashville, uh, Tennessee, or as they call it, Nash Vegas, uh, from what I've, the uh, country music and honky-tonk capital of the world. So uh, I was right at home. No, anyway, um, no, we had a great time, a uh, great visit with my daughter and uh, her her husband and my son and his wife. We all uh, went up there together, and uh, good to be back. Uh, Scott did a great job uh, last Sunday for us kicking off um, the journey. Uh, this new series that we're in as we make our way to Easter and uh, through the four Gospels together. Um, hey, Uh, We also had a great kickoff this past week to our life groups. Uh, I think just about all the life groups have started. There's one or two that are kicking off either today or this week. Um, But uh, hundreds and hundreds of people in groups uh, all week long. And uh, so if you haven't yet joined a group, they've just gotten started. Usually the first week is more of like introduction. Uh, So it's not too late to join a group. Uh, You can see the catalog there in your bulletin. Uh, Sign up list are back there in the back table. You can sign up online if you're watching online. Uh, But we'd love for you to be a part of our groups. Now, again, today we are in week two of this series called uh, The Journey. And each week of this series, uh, leading up to Easter, uh, Easter weekend here at Coastal is going to be very exciting. Uh, And and as we read through the four Gospels together, this 100-day challenge, uh, we're going to be looking at the life of Jesus and uh, the different encounters and interactions that he had. In other words, we're going to be looking at his journey. And, uh, it, and it's our prayer that what we're hoping will happen is that Jesus' journey will change your journey. You know, Jesus never left a situation the same. He never left people the same. He changed things. He changed people. Last week, Jesus, uh, Jesus Pastor Scott, uh, talked about um, <laughs> Jesus' baptism and uh, his temptation in the wilderness. Today, I want us to take a look at Jesus' very first uh, public miracle uh, that's recorded in Scripture. Uh, It's found in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So we haven't made our way to John yet, but chronologically, this is his first first miracle. So I'm going to read the story, and then we're going to talk about some principles that I think can apply to our lives today. Okay, follow along as I read. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water, tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, He called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. You guys don't do that, by the way. Anyway, uh, but 
but you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, you need to know something a little bit about this story. First of all, wedding celebrations were a huge, huge, big deal in the first century. I mean, think about it. These people lived a very, very hard life, very difficult, hard life, and they didn't have you know, the diversity of activity and the kind of entertainment that we have access to today. And so weddings in the community, um, they, they were a big, big event. They were a time of escape for everybody, a time to get away, a time to relax, laughter, joy. In fact, when little children in the first century would play, uh, they often pretended that they were at a wedding because that's what these, were, these events were known as. Now, event, weddings are almost always interesting events. Would you agree with that? I mean, this, uh, this past uh, Friday was Valentine's Day. Uh, it was mine and Janet's 33rd wedding anniversary. And uh, we had a great, great, uh, you know, just time together. But, but weddings, man, I mean, emotion, think, think about the, the wedding itself. Emotions, personalities, uh, expectations, pressure. I mean, and, and all of that tends, I like to say that weddings and funerals, Bring out the best in people and the what? The worst in people. Um, now, you might not know this about me, okay? But in some circles, I am known as the marrying pastor, okay? I marry a lot of people. Uh, Charleston is the number two wedding destination in the country. Did you know that? Now, Vegas is number one. And I don't think Vegas even counts. By the way, raise your hand if you've been married by Pastor Chris. It's not a cult or anything, but just curious. Yeah, there's a lot of people here. Raise your hand if you're getting ready to get married by Pastor No, don't do that. So you're like, okay. Um, but uh, through a series of events and connections over the years, I have officiated a lot of weddings. And uh, so let's just say that if it can happen at a wedding, I have seen it. I really have. In fact, Janet, my wife, tells me all the time that I should write a book about all of my uh, crazy wedding stories that I have. I'm not saying it's going to happen at your wedding. I'm just saying I've seen a lot of crazy things happen uh, at weddings. Now, one of the things that makes this wedding so significant is that this was the first public miracle first public recorded miracle of Jesus' ministry. This is kind of uh, his launch party, so to speak. Now, let's be honest. If you and I were in charge and, and, uh, you know, and Jesus were beginning his, his public ministry and, uh, and we could do miracles and we could orchestrate this whole thing, I'm not so sure that we would start with this miracle. You know, one that so very few people saw. I think we'd probably do something bigger. Now, although my guess is that quite a few of you in the room would probably be down with Jesus coming over to your house and turning 180 gallons of water into wine. That'd be a big miracle, you know, for you, and I'm sure some of you would really appreciate that. But Jesus never did miracles just to show off. There was always a purpose. Now, here's the most important question I want you to think about today. Are you in need of a miracle? Are you in need of a miracle? 
You know, maybe, maybe you need a miracle in your marriage. Maybe you need a miracle in your finances. Maybe you need a miracle in a relationship, in your family, in your health. You know, I believe as a church uh, that we are in constant need of miracles. Because a miracle is something that only God can do. You know, I, I don't want our church, to, I, I don't want to be a part of a church that only always does what we can do in, in our own power. I want us to be that place in the community that, that walks by faith, that, that depends on God and trust Him to do things that we can't do in and of ourselves and on our own. You know, we say around here a lot, I want us to work like it all depends on us and then pray and step out in faith like it all depends on God and then trust Him and celebrate the results. You see, a miracle, it's a move of God. It's something that that only God can do. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, I look around this room and, uh, you know, as the pastor, I see a lot of miracles In fact, I see miracle after miracle, examples of God doing only what God can do in your life. So we all need a miracle. You know, a miracle in our personal lives, our families, and our church. So let's take a look at this first miracle that Jesus performs. I think there's at least five principles here, five things that, that we all need if we're going to experience and, and see miracles in our lives and see God do things that only God can do. So if you're taking notes, number one, I think we need an awareness of His presence. An awareness of His presence. Go back and look at verses one and two there. It says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and His disciples were also invited to the celebration. Now, what's interesting to me about this is that Jesus was actually invited to a lot of parties. I mean, He was. Matthew, in fact, records people calling Him a glutton and a drunkard because He was seen at so many parties. People simply loved being around Jesus. I mean, have have you ever thought about that? Have you thought about, you know, Jesus being the life of the party? You know, being the one that everybody invited to their party. Can you picture Jesus putting his arm around the groom, you know, before the, before the wedding and, and making a little joke with the groom? Or maybe you can picture Jesus doing the electric slide, you know, or the, you know, the cha-cha slide. Slide to the right. You know, you kind of you picture that, right? Um, well, whatever you imagine, all I want you to think about is this. Jesus never shows up somewhere, and that place gets more boring and more predictable. You never know what to expect with Jesus. He was literally the what? The life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was the life of the party. So my question is this then. So why are there so many churches today that are dull, boring, and predictable? Why why are so few churches and people today really experiencing miracles in their life? I think part of the answer is that we have forgotten that it's all about Jesus. 
We, we, we've lost an awareness of, of, of his presence. Coastal, listen to me for a second. Jesus is alive. And he's here. And, and if you're a follower of Jesus, the power of his presence is alive and well within you. You see, that's the starting point for all miracles in this church, in your life personally, in your family. It is the presence of Jesus. In fact, Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 says this. It actually says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me. Listen to this. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the, in the heavenly realms. And then look at verses 22 and 23. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. For whose benefit? The church, ours, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by who? By Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. In other words, his presence, Jesus. In other words, as a believer and as a church, we move, we breathe, we live, we plan, we pray in the power and in the authority of Jesus Christ. But it's so easy to forget that. It is. It's so easy instead to get the focus off of Jesus and onto us, onto our problems. On the other things. Remember the miracle of, uh, of Peter walking on the water toward Jesus? Remember Peter's in, in the boat in the middle of the, of the storm? When did he decide to get out of the boat and walk on the water? When he was aware of the presence of Jesus. But too often, we focus on the storm. We focus on the boat. We focus on the people in the boat. And that kind of thing happens in churches all the time. We, we lose focus of Jesus, and instead, we focus on our problems. We, we lose focus of Jesus, and we focus on our critics. We lose focus of Jesus, and we focus on the tools that we have. You know, like the people at this wedding, we focus on what we don't have. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? We've run out of wine. Listen, we already have everything we need in Jesus. We do. You know, you need a miracle in your family? Don't forget that the author of all miracles is Jesus, and he is here. You know, don't forget that. When we focus on Jesus, we lose sight of the storm. We lose sight of our fear, and we become fearless. Number two, if we're going to see miracles in our church, in our lives, in our families, we need a desperation for His voice. 
We need a desperation for his voice. Look at verses 3 through 5. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. By the way, who did she speak to about the problem? Jesus. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Underline that phrase there. Do whatever he tells you. Listen, God has a vision for this church. And so our role, our job is simply to listen to his voice and then to do whatever he tells us. Now, this is what you need to hear today. God has has a vision and a plan for you, for your life. And so your job is to simply listen to his voice and then to do whatever it is he tells you. Now, the problem is, is that we are often more desperate to listen to anything else, anyone else, instead of God. In fact, go back to that miracle of Peter walking on the water. The disciples were terrified, right? Rightfully so. Matthew 14, it says, Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. Peter was desperate for the voice of Jesus. I think we complicate life so much. I mean, we really do. We complicate church. We complicate marriage. We complicate finances, parenting. Listen, most of it is as easy as listening to God and then just obeying His voice. Do whatever He tells you. Now, here's the good news. You ready for this? God still speaks today. He still speaks. He speaks to us through His Word. Listen, that's why, you know, here at Coaster, we're constantly pushing and challenging you to get into God's Word, to read God's Word. That's what this 100-day challenge is all about, to read through the Gospels, to read the words of Jesus, to memorize the words of Jesus. Listen, He still speaks. He speaks to other believers. That's why it's so important to surround yourself with other people who are listening to His voice and doing what He, what he tells them to do. And we, we, we experience that in, in life groups. And he still speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. You see, if we would just spend less time on Facebook, you know, and more time seeking his face, I think we'd hear his voice more often. And I think we'd see more miracles. Number three, if we're going to experience a miracle, we're going to have to develop a realization of what we have. A realization of what we do have. Look at verse 6. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Now, this is so important. The very thing that they needed for the miracle, you ready for this? It was already in the house. It, it, It wasn't out there, but it was already in the house. You see, I believe that everything that this church needs for a miracle, it's not out there. Where is it? It's already in the house. Because the last time I looked, God uses people. 
He uses you. He uses me to accomplish His will, His plan in people's lives. You see, the problem is that we tend to focus on what we don't have, not on what we do have. I mean, you go to another miracle that we've read uh, in in the Gospels that Jesus performed. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? Jesus is teaching this huge crowd. It's getting late in the day. The disciples, what do they want to do? They want to send the people home so that they go get something to eat. Jesus tells the disciples, you feed them. In fact, Mark 6, 38, it says, he said, how much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, why in the world did Jesus do that? Why why did he ask them what they already had? I think it's because God always starts with what we have when he wants to work a miracle. Now, the reality is, and you might push back and say, yeah, but I only have a little. You know, I don't have much time, I don't have much energy, I don't have much money, I don't have much resources, much talent. But listen, this is what you got to hear today. He always starts with what you have, what you already have, when he wants to do a miracle. You know, when the disciples came to Jesus, you know, with their problem, you know, the people are hungry, they're going to get upset, you know, he said, you feed them. Now, think about that for a second. Again, this was 5,000 men, there, were a, there probably were another 5,000, at least, women and children, probably up to 10,000 people or more. This, this little act, this miracle here, it was humanly, physically, and financially impossible. Has God ever asked you to do something impossible with the little that you have? Now, I think if you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, he has. And you've probably said, you know what? God, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't see it. I, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to do this, to do that. I, I don't have the energy for this to happen in my life. I don't have the money. I don't have the talent. I don't have the resources. You see, God does that over and over and over again. He asks, to, he asks you to do the impossible with the little that you have. Why? Because it's all about Him. And He wants to stretch your faith. He wants to see if you'll trust Him. That's the bigger miracle. You know, in fact, in John 6, 6, talking about this miracle, it says, He asked this only to test Him, for He already had in mind what He was going to do. You see, when you're out there sweating through that problem, and you seriously need a miracle in your marriage, in your work, in your finances. Listen to this. You ready? God's, God's not worried about it. Jesus isn't worried. He already has a plan. In fact, my guess is he saw the need in your life way before you did. And he already figured out what he was going to do. But he's saying, I'm going to wait on you to get concerned first. I'm going to use what you have. I'm going to see if you're going to trust me. I'm going to see if you're going to give me the little that you do have. I'm going to see if you're you're going to walk by faith. You know, this past year during our our Daring Faith campaign, 
I stood up here before our church and I said, you know what? I believe that God wants Coastal to continue to grow and to reach more and more people for Jesus, to reach the next generation and the next generation. But the problem is, is that our current facilities are inadequate to keep doing that, especially over in our children's space. You see, the problem, however, was that at that time, last year, that was financially impossible. It was. Physically, humanly, financially impossible. However, what we keep learning here at Coastal is what is impossible with men is possible with God. And God uses us to do miracles. Maybe you've forgotten. But on on a Sunday just back in November, our church took up the largest single offering in the history of our church. We took up over $200,000 and made commitments for over $1.7 million. You see, the the last I looked, Jesus is alive. And Jesus is here. His power, His authority, His presence fills this church. And He's going to use Coastal. He's going to use you and me to reach more people. You see, buildings and tools and all the things we see, they're just tools to reach more people. That's it. That's all they are. But the focus is and always will be on Jesus. He's just waiting on you and me to give Him what little we do have and to trust Him and step out in faith. That leads me to number four. We've got to possess a desire to work hard. We have to have a desire to work hard. Look at verses 7 and 8. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master uh, of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Now we miss this, but this would not be an easy task. Remember, these are 30-gallon stone water pots. There were no faucets in the first century. There were no no hoses back then. I mean, you know what this involved? This involved going multiple times, you know, probably to a spring, uh, you know, uh, a well. These servants had to be worn out by, by the time each stone jar was filled to the rim. But they were willing to work. What does it say? So the servants followed his instructions. I said this earlier this morning. We say it all the time here at Coastal. We are to pray and trust God like everything depends on Him. But we're also to work like it all depends on us. You see, that's who we are. We we are to be His willing servants, humbly, obediently following His instructions. But being a servant, listen to me, It requires hard work. It does. But the thought of that, you know, the the thought of working hard today, it honestly doesn't occur to a lot of people. You know, Jesus simply said, fill the jars. Fill the jars. Now, we probably would have preferred him to say something like, okay, y'all need to pray over the jars. Let's you know, pray over the jars. Sing a few songs over the jars. 
Have a Bible study around the jars. Let's look up the Greek word for jar. You know, let, let's, let's, do a, let's do a study. You know, let's get our prayer warriors together. Let's pray. Let's get our worship team, you know, the worship people. Let, let's, let's worship over the jars. But no, what does he say? Fill the jars. Get up off your blessed assurance and get to work. Get, get busy. Now, hear this with all humility and love that I can muster here today. Good parenting, moms and dads, guess what? It is hard work. Good marriages, they are hard work. You know what? A growing church, it is hard work. Getting out of debt, it's hard. Well, we'd rather pray over our debt. Let's, let's have a, another Bible study about getting out of debt. Getting out of debt is hard work. And many people, quite frankly, they're not seeing miracles in their lives because they're not willing to do whatever it takes. They're not willing to fill the jar. Finally, number five. If we're going to experience a miracle in our lives, in our families, in our, in our church, We've got to have a desire to make Jesus famous. It's got to be about him. It's got to be about making Jesus famous. Look at verse 11 again. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. You see, this miracle was not about the wine. We waste a lot of time in churches today arguing about, well, you know, was it you know, wine back then? It wasn't really good wine, you know. And, and well, when Jesus made wine, I'm sure it was the best wine. We, we spent a lot of time focusing on the wine. It wasn't all about the wine. All miracles ultimately are about Jesus and about making Jesus famous. I mean, what does it say here? Jesus revealed his glory. Other translations say displayed his glory, manifest his glory. And so what was the end result? The disciples believed. You see, the miracle is not an end unto itself. And yet, that's so often what we focus on. Miracles are about revealing the glory of Jesus, making Jesus famous so that People will believe. Now hear me loud and clear. You see, you getting out of debt is not about you being able to afford more of the American dream and shouting freedom on Dave Ramsey one day. You needing a miracle in your marriage is not about getting your husband or wife off your back so that you can simply do more of what you want to do. You needing a miracle in your family is not about you needing peace and quiet in your home and not being embarrassed by your teenager. Don't you see? Ultimately, you ready for this? It's still all about Jesus. It's still all about revealing His glory to the watching world around us. It's about making Him famous so that more and more people might believe. Let me tell you something. Yes, God does want to heal your marriage in order to reveal the glory of Jesus. God wants you to get out of debt and be a wise manager of your resources so that you can reveal the glory of Jesus and more people might believe. God wants to strengthen your family and do a miracle in your home 
home so that the manifest glory of Jesus might be revealed and more and more people might come to faith in Christ. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It always has been and it always will be. Listen to me. Coastal is going to break ground on a brand new children's facility this spring and it's going to enable our church to keep growing and keep reaching future generations for Jesus. And then once that's completed and Daring Faith is over, we're going to build an auditorium out front on this campus that will seat over a thousand people. Why? Not because I need a big ego, but because more than anything else in this world, I want our church to be used by God to to reveal more more and more of the glory of Jesus and to make his name famous and to see more and more people believe. Don't you understand? Buildings, they're just tools. Technology, it's just tools. It's just the vehicle. The purpose, the focus is Jesus revealing his glory, seeing more people come to faith. So what about you? Are you in need of a miracle? You see, with you as well, it all begins and ends with Jesus. Are you aware of his presence? I mean, think about that. Is the focus on him and a a desperation for his voice? Are you desperate for his voice? Or do you spend more time listening to anyone and anything other than him? And do you realize what you do have? I mean, do you, do you really realize what you have? And have you laid it at the feet of Jesus? And then are you willing to fill the jar? Are you willing to get to work? And will you give God the glory? Will you give God the glory? Are you ready for God to do a miracle in your life? I think he wants to. I know that he's able to. But are you willing to cooperate with him? The greatest miracle that God wants to do in your life is to give you a brand new life. To make you brand new. It's the miracle of of salvation. You see, Christianity is not about, you know, a new way of, of, of living. It's not about, you know, kind of being better people, being good. It's about being, being made brand new. That We were dead in sin and we've been made alive in Christ. What about you? You see, that happens through through faith. That's the miracle. And Jesus is the way to that miracle. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he's waiting for you. He's watching That's his desire. Will you come home? Will you come to God? I mean, think about this. Look at your outline. Are you aware that he's here? 
He's alive. In fact, are you desperate for his voice? Because if you'll just listen, he's been calling. Calling your name. He's wanting you to come home. Do you, do you realize what you have? Hear, hear this with all humility. The truth is, you have nothing. And he has it all. You're just a sinner in need of a savior. And so if you'll just bring yourself to him, he'll give you everything. And will you give him the glory? Man, you can, you can do that right here and right now. You can come home to God. Place your faith in Christ and be made brand new and walk out of here a brand new person. A miracle. A miracle. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I thank you for Jesus. And I thank you that he is alive. I thank you for the resurrection power, the miraculous power of the resurrection of change that Jesus never left a situation or a person the same, that he changed people. God, I thank you for all the miracles that I see here every day here at Coastal. And today, God, I believe there are people in this room, people watching that are ready to be made brand new, that are ready to be forgiven, ready to come home. Listen, if that's you, just pour your heart out to God right now in a prayer. Just say something like this, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sacrificing your one and only Son, Jesus, for me. God, I admit it, I, have, I am lost, I have gone my own way, I have I've rejected you, I have pushed you out of my life, I've made mistakes, I'm a sinner, I am. I believe that my sin put your son Jesus on that cross, but I believe that his power, he proved his power, and he proved who he really is by rising from the dead, and I believe that, and I believe he's alive. And today, I ask Jesus to forgive me. I ask him to be my savior and to be my Lord. I want to follow him for the rest of my life. I want to do what he tells me to do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And God, today I, I pray for those in this room who've already prayed that miraculous prayer. They've already come home. But maybe there's an area of their life that, you know, they've not, we've not been listening to your voice. We've not been aware of who you are in your presence. We've not been willing to, to work hard or to give you the glory but today, Father, I pray that we'd be willing to do all those things. And I pray for people here today that are desperate for a miracle uh, in their life, in their, in their family, their marriage, their finances. Father, may you continue to do your miraculous work in our lives and in this church. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.